Welcome to Moves That Matter. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Posley, and we have part two of a powerful show today. I have with me today Mr. Shaquan Eli. He is the founder of the historic Elder Diggs Ignite Achievement Academy. We want to welcome him uh, back to our show. He set us ablaze last week, uh, as you all probably noticed, getting into a conversation with me about how African-American males are uh, uh, developing today. What are some of the factors that's dictating some of their behavior and things like that? So I want to welcome him back and want to have him reintroduce himself. We're going to dive right back into this conversation uh, uh, right now. Mr. Eli. Yes, Glad to have you back, my man. Thank you for your, uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to come back with us. Let, let my audience, who may not have uh, uh, saw the groundbreaking show last week, uh, let them know who you are and what you do and what your uh, research um, uh, pursuits are. Sure. Yeah, my name is Shaquan Eli. I am the found, co-founder and head of school of Ignite Achievement Academy at the historic Elder Dick School. I always love to begin with the history of Elder Diggs. And so for the new guests, uh, if you provide me just a moment to do so, Elder Diggs was the first black principal in Indiana in 1908. He was the first African-American to graduate from Indiana University in 1916. And he was one of the primary founders of the greatest fraternity of all, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. <laughs> and as well, he served in the, the uh, community that not I now serve for over 30 years in IPS, and and so it is an honor and a privilege to continue that legacy. We stand on the shoulders of giants, and Elder Diggs is one of the giants uh, in Indiana history, and so it's an honor to be back. I am also a Ph.D. candidate, and part of my research is looking at the unique black male experience and the impact that that black male experience has had on the family dynamic and what epigenetics says about that and how we can get to Mm self-actualization. And I talked about epigenetics last time and that it it takes into account the fact that our genes don't tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. Our genes are part of the story, but the environment that we are in dictates and controls life. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, 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 and just with that notion, it gives credence to books like uh, uh, Joy Degree's Post-Traumatic uh, Slave Disorder uh, and how it cannot be denied that what you have been exposed to affects who and what you are. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so let's, 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 let's dive right in. So, so talk to me. You, you talked uh, last week about uh, you, you relied heavily uh, in terms of example on Maslow's uh, uh, hierarchy of... Uh, 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 human development, yes, sir. And, um, and and at the base of that is human need, and at the top of that is self actualization, and just before that is uh, or, or belonging, security, as well as um, uh, self esteem, but ultimately the top is self actualization. And so, talk to me about some of what you see confronting African male, African American males today. Uh, keeping them from being all that they can be. You can go for anywhere from crime to whatever, you know, people's perception of them being only criminals is what I mean by that. Or what, what do you think are two, let's just go with two, of the major factors are helping to hold back African-American males? Certainly oppression and poverty. The Say that again? Oppression and poverty. Oppression, racial, like racial oppression? Yes, sir. And poverty. And, and poverty. Okay. 
and and racism mm-hmm. is a sickness divined the, the, the as as uh, power uh, one who has power mm-hmm. and prejudice mm-hmm. and so it, it's, it is a, it is a mental defect absolutely it is a mental defect. there's some research that's, that that has now proven that uh, along with Bull Connor and some others proving it so many years, <laughs> right. but the, yeah uh, go ahead um, but there are researchers like Dr. Francis Cress Welsing who has done extensive uh, psychology research mm-hmm. on the idea and the disease of mm-hmm. white supremacy right. and 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 that kind of racism. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the elements. And then generational poverty, certainly. And I think that the the violence and some of the other conditions mm-hmm. are really symptoms of those other two. Uh, Say and, that again. Say that again. So a symptom. So a, yes, sir. A symptom of, of poverty is violence. When you have a culture, and it's not just black people, but if you look at uh, the history of America, uh, particularly in the early 1900s, mid-1900s, when you had an influx of immigrants coming who were also at the bottom and who also were, were oppressed and depressed, we saw the same thing with them, whether they were the Irish or the Jewish community or the Italian community coming over, uh, and you saw violence as they were trying to figure it out, trying to survive. You know, as, as you say that, you know, it, it's coming to mind how uh, justifiable violence has been uh, manipulated over the years. For example, uh, Donald Trump believes that it is not violent to have the attorney general uh, over get all of his cronies off. Pardon people who have done crimes to manipulate people, Ukraine for well, that's violence. That is social violence. Social violence. That, that that is that is political violence. It, it's amazing how over the years, but in a diseased mind, if that's if you're racist, it'll be justifiable. It's amazing over the years how one form of violence is more detri- more detrimental in someone's mind than another. Do you know the damage is being done to the Constitution from that kind of violence? Wow. Ronald Takaki talked about violence in the black imagination. He brought up the notion that that violence um, to one man is not violence to another. That's debatable, but mm-hmm. it's justifiable to one and not to another. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. And there, and there are scales, right? There, yeah, there, sure. There's a continuum there. Right. Not justifying any kind of crime. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it's amazing how we let crime that doesn't seem to affect us go on and crimes that seem to attack my property are the most horrendous. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so that is one of the biggest things that I, I want to look at yeah. is how the oppression, how our unique history mm-hmm. through through slavery up to Reconstruction, up to Jim Crow and the Civil Rights Movement, uh, COINTELPRO in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, throwing the drugs and the, and the guns into the community, how all of those things uh, have impacted our psyche. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at that because what we are finding and what we know now is that the trauma that has been produced has uh, is, is multi-layered. Mm-hmm. It, it impacts us. Trauma and stress impact us in the now, in the moment. It impacts us long term and it also impacts us intergenerationally. Mm-hmm. And so with respect... Stress, stressful thinking can be passed down and imprinted in the DNA. Absolutely. 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 This is the epigenetic right. uh, component of that or mm-hmm. above the gene. Right. Uh, and it can be passed down generationally. There are some studies by a researcher called Rachel Yehuda, mm-hmm. and she looked at 9 11 
uh, victims. She also looked at uh, those who were uh, victims of the Holocaust, the, the Jewish Holocaust, because mm-hmm. we had one too. Right. But the Jewish Holocaust, we've had a few. Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> a yeah, few of them. Yeah. And and she looked at at that and did extensive scholarly peer reviewed research that showed that um, those who experience PTSD are their offspring are three to four times more likely to also experience PTSD, not ever experiencing the original trauma. Say that again. Say that again. Look into the camera and say that again, because that, that and the researcher say that again. So, a parent that has experiences PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. their children, their offspring, are three to four times more likely to experience PTSD than others in the control group. Right. And so, what we're seeing is that there are genetic imprints or genetic alterations that are passed down to the offspring and scripture talks about it the sins of the father mm-hmm. will be passed down Visiting. right to the gener- three or four generation, generation. Right. and so we are seeing that that is absolutely the case through scientific study as well um there was a study that the pentagon did mm-hmm. uh, a few years back and they showed that young people in communities like the one that i serve uh, are two times more likely to experience PTSD than soldiers that return from live combat. Mm. That is significant information because and the difference is if I'm a soldier uh, fighting in a war, when the war is over or when I'm called back, I leave that environment. Mm-hmm. But our children are exposed to the environment almost 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so they've even added another kind of, of stress disorder called CPTSD, which is called complex uh, traumatic stress disorder. Multifaceted from yes, multiple events. That's right. right. That's right. So if we are not considering the effects and the impact that the environment that have been orchestrated for us has on our psyche, and not just the psyche, because it plays into our neurochemistry, our neurocircuitry, mm-hmm. our biology. Our so the trauma literally can reshape the DNA in people. The sequence so stays the same. And stress. Yes, sir. The mm-hmm. sequence stays the same, but it can upregulate or downregulate certain specific genes within the gene. Within the gene. Within the gene. Yes, sir. Right. A quick analogy would be. Um, you, you're you're doing work with with breast cancer and mm-hmm. and, and cancer mm-hmm. um, survivorship and health, right. right? If we look at breast cancer and we say, okay, there are people who have this gene, this mm-hmm. breast cancer gene, but only half of those people get the cancer, right? Well, there has to be something in there that is causing half of the people not to get the cancer and half of the people to get the cancer. So right. it can't be that the gene alone dictates life, right. the environment That's is what right. is doing that. So it's the environment for half of those people is what is causing that gene to express. And producing stresses that, that create carcinogens. Exactly. Absolutely. And so stress is a really big deal for us to look at. Trauma mm-hmm. is a really big deal for us to look at and the impact that it has in the moment. Because stress in the moment is not a bad thing. It's a very adaptable bio process. It's response. It's, right. it's, a resp- it's responding. Right. And so right. if, 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 if there is a stressor and then the every time I make a thought or the sensory information that comes into my eyes, my ears, the way that I feel, the taste and things, it's going to cause a chemical cascade. Mm-hmm. We have a pharmacy within our body. Mm-hmm. And so a chemical cascade will take place. And stress hormones like cortisol or adrenaline in small doses 
are really good. Mm-hmm. If there is a situation and necessary, and necessary. Right. if there's a situation that I need to uh, either fight, flight, or freeze, right? Yeah. This is the situation. If somebody comes in here with a my gun right now, my brain will release what I need. My higher faculties, right. Right. my conscious mind is going to shut down. Right. And now what happens is that cortisol and that adrenaline is going to make my eyes dilate, my pupils are going to dilate, my um, the way that my blood is flowing is going to change. It's going to change from the to viscera. Respond to the event. Absolutely. Right. So it's going to respond to the event. That's cool if the stimulus goes away. Mm-hmm. There's a book called uh, by Dr. Bruce Perry, I believe, called... Uh, Zebras don't get ulcers. We're very similar in that way. If a zebra is in the Serengeti and is mm-hmm. running from the the lion, and then it gets away from the lion, as it's running from the lion, the same chemical processes that happen in us will happen in that zebra. So the adrenaline flush, the the pupils dilate, the, all of these processes t- tend to happen. So the animal can mobilize and get away. Mm-hmm. Once it gets away from the lion, it goes back to baseline. It goes back the, to grazing. The chemicals do, the, the, the epinephrine does, all that. All that right. does that. They don't get ulcers because they don't have the ability, as we do, to make thought more real than anything else. So we can actually cause the the chemical response, that stress response, just by thought alone. Mm-hmm. So if we are thinking in a negative way or if we're thinking in a stressful way, then those cascade of stress response that stress chemicals are still going through and prolong the trauma in our mind prolong the trauma but it also impacts our body systems right it impacts our cells it impacts our tissues and it destroys them the chemical cortisol in excess is a detriment and it makes us sick right it it if thoughts can make us sick then they can also make us well this is why the placebo nocebo is is such a powerful concept. Right, that's right. And so we have to really look at how we are responding to trauma. One of the things that we do at our school is re- is provide students with tools mm-hmm. to be able to self-regulate, mm-hmm. to get control of their their thinking. Mm-hmm. And when you are in stress, you cannot think. It's a biological process. You and think you, that's happening with a lot of our young men in the street, their responses without question. in general. Without question. A lot of it is the trauma of being a black male. That's right. Yeah. And they're in perpetual states of stress and trauma. And, and so they're always in fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. That's why they can go from zero to 100. But be labeled bipolar. But be labeled. Be labeled bipolar. But really, mm-hmm. the situation is what's causing them to be at the ready. Yes. And they're either labeled bipolar. They, and what I'm seeing a lot of is this label of ADHD. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about that is... If you look at the the characteristics and qualities of ADHD, and you look at the characteristics and qualities of PTSD, they're identical. That's right. They're they're pretty That's identical. Right. So our children are being misdiagnosed and then medicated, and these medications are, you know, the, the, it, what's the difference between cocaine and, shoved into and special some ed of programs these, where the funding is cut, that's, that's, that's which right. is basically a way to get them out of school and into the to dumb down the curriculum the and justice system. And Absolutely, get the mass incarceration process going. It's, it's a precursor. So the school to prison pipeline, the the pipeline is special education. That's right. In a lot of cases, that's right. And so we we have we to know understand. we know what we know what Nancy DeVos wants. She 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 Trump. That's told her to cut the funding for it. So let's speed up the process. Speed it up. Right. Yes, right. Sir. We got Barr 
writing books about mass incarceration. We got Nancy DeVos cutting out funding for special ed children, yet the process of pushing them into it is is continuing to go on. So we get them quicker, quick, uh, more, more quickly into the justice system, more quickly into mass incarceration, funds for everybody that's invested in the mass incarceration system. Big business. Yeah. Big business. So we're commodifying the young black male. Yes, sir. Exactly. Wow. Wow. And well, so you have that, that component. So those three layers, the... Mm-hmm. The short term, mm-hmm. our children are unfortunately seeing too much and exposed too much to trauma and too much, uh, too much stress, and that's causing adverse biological responses. So how do we combat that? How do, how do we keep them from being exposed to so much stress? That's a two-part question. Mm-hmm. How do we keep our young African-American males, and I'm just focusing on them today. I'll come back and do another show for our young women. How do we keep, uh, cut down on how much stress they 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 being exposed to, and what do we do about what they have been exposed to thus far? One of the things I think we have to do is, because it's a systemic issue, mm-hmm. we've got to get around policy and organize. You talked about you talked about voting and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So we have to we have to organize in that way so that we can push that legislation. The other thing is legislation to, is one answer to, to teach. Okay. They have to understand how their brains and their bodies the teacher. work. The teacher, the 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 teacher. Or us as a community, oh, t- okay. we have okay. to be able to teach the children. And well, we got to start with the teacher. They got to start with the parent, but the teacher has to know because the teacher spends more time with my child than, than the parents do. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. And so, uh, teaching our educators right about these biological processes and that a child who may be exhibiting this kind of behavior, mm-hmm. it may be a biological thing. It's not that he doesn't want to listen to you or he doesn't want to follow directions. There could be other things that are going on that make it impossible for him to do that in that moment. It's That's a biological right. thing, not right. a a matter of the will. And so uh, that's one of the areas. And then teaching the children about their own anatomy and physiology, about how their brains work, about what stress does, and, and how, how it short circuits right. their ability to think and to, to learn. And so in order to do that, we have to teach them um, about perhaps tools and techniques that can help them regulate. It could be mindfulness and meditation. Mm-hmm. It could be breathing techniques, uh, et cetera. And, and, and all this has to be um, uh, set up per age group, whatever our steps we take, because I know we're talking primarily about uh, school-age children, high school children, but there's also this the lack of, lack of uh, formation in, in the amygdala. Uh, that 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 we don't that, that we don't often take into account, and if, if people don't know anything about that, you just assume that a young man, nineteen twenty, is just being defiant. No, there's a rush of hormones. His brain is not fully developed yet, and there's the PTSD, and there's the self-esteem, and there's a constant fight or flight. So there are seven, So he is complex. Mm-hmm. He and, and 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 so thus it takes a complex complex approach Absolutely. Uh, to handling him. And so you, so prison is not just the answer. Uh, uh, expulsion is not just the answer. We need a super teacher. We need, we need, we need, we need a being, we need, we need a, a, a conglomeration uh, and multifaceted approach to handling our young men. That's what I think uh, the uh, historic, the historic uh, Elder Diggs Achievement Academy is trying to do. Talk to us a little bit about some of your future plans in terms of, uh, in, a, in, a, in a broader sense, 
um, about what you what you want to do to help the plight of the African American young male with your school, and what you want to do. Some of the long range things you want to do to to provide services. Well, I want to create one of the most dynamic and impactful educational experiences mm -hmm. that we've seen in America. And we now know it's necessary. You and just it, made that clear. It absolutely is, and it's going to require us to uh, do something completely different than what we've normally seen mm -hmm. in, in education. And that is challenging because I'm still held to the the metrics and the measures right. um, from the state being a public school. Mm -hmm. But taking this kind of research, being at the forefront of the scholarly scholarly research and bringing that and pulling that into the experience right away. That's one of the, the benefits of having this partnership with, with IPS is that there is some autonomy there so that mm -hmm. I can make those decisions as I, um, as I come into the knowledge and come into the information. Mm -hmm. And so um, that is m one of my primary assignments is mm -hmm. to create this environment that mm -hmm. will allow and ex this expression mm -hmm. of, of the genius that's within each one of these students. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this. This is my, my final question to you. I want, I want you to look in the camera, and I want you to describe a senior, a senior, a, a, a 17, 18-year-old young African-American young man who has gone through a, a K-12 through experience with you idealistically. Mm -hmm. wh what is he like? What is his esteem like? What are his goals? How does he fit in the social necessary social spaces? Describe if he were standing on this table in a miniature form, if you will, a a young black man who has been through your innovation processes. What is he to society? Tell so us. this this young man would absolutely have a knowledge of self. Mm -hmm. Would understand uh, his his skills would understand some of his limitations and the, prog the the idea that no matter what, this individual can grow even through those limitations. Mm -hmm. And so this individual would also be uh, versed in, in the arts because the arts are so important to our human development. Mm -hmm. It's important to our creativity, creativity mm -hmm. and our mental capacity and stress mm -hmm. reduction. This individual would also understand how to regulate emotionally mm -hmm. because our emotions often drive our behavior. Our emotions are much stronger than our our emotional energy is much stronger and faster than our mental energy. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand that and have mm -hmm. um, have protocols and processes to be able to regulate those emotions so that we can access higher thought. And so and put them put the put the emotions behind the thought versus the emotion guiding the thought. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and then our our student in front of us would be an academic, would would love and have a curiosity for learning. It's our responsibility to fan and stoke those flames of curiosity because mm -hmm. inherent in each one of these children is a genius. I've I've learned that there could be skill gaps. Um, but the children are brilliant. They are geniuses. If only we can create the environment. And so um, that young man would know that he has godlike uh, abilities and that thoughts become things, and he would, would be able to um, control those mm -hmm. thoughts intentionally and deliberately. That is, that's, that's well said. 
I would say I would I would like to uh, say myself that the greatest gift apart from my salvation that the Lord has given me is education. I, I, I would say that hands down. Yes, I've got a great wife, and yes, I've, you know, I've got a blessed church. God's been good to me. But but the greatest thing that the Lord has provided for me apart from my salvation through the Holy Spirit is a curiosity. Mm-hmm. I want to know. There, I've, I've come to believe that there's a right way of trying to do stuff, and, and, and I don't always get it right. My education has been the most transformative thing in my life, the greatest result of my salvation. I think the African-American male that seeks to understand viable knowledge, because you can get a lot of information out of here. Mm-hmm. You can find out a bunch of stuff, or you can find out about the third eye, you can find out about uh, the, uh, the the black Israelite, all that. But, but, but finding information that causes you to be a servant, mm-hmm. teaches you to be a ser- servant, is the most valuable information I've encountered. And your if, thoughts about I, that? If, and if I could add to that, too, because there's a difference between schooling and education. Mm-hmm. Um, schooling teaches us to accept our past, mm-hmm. w- you know, whatever that is. Education teaches us that uh, the skill set to be able to transcend it. Mm-hmm. And so that is the other piece that um, that student that we're looking at would also have the the gall and the fortitude mm-hmm. to be able to look at his community and take all that he has learned. And that curiosity continues, right? It's not just I come to school and this is the only time I learn. No, I'm always curious about mm-hmm. my my world. And so that young man will take the skills that he has developed along the way, all of the the social, emotional development that he has accumulated along the way, and then use that to impact change in his community. Not to get out of his community per se, mm-hmm. but to come back and make change in that community. Have you ever heard of that guy, um, Barack Obama? I've heard of him. You just described him. <laughs> he just won an, uh, an Oscar, by the way, for for a Netflix documentary. You were just describing him to a T. I could not, because Obama is the epitome of what you just described. Comes back to his neighborhood, uses his education, becomes president, doesn't go somewhere and hide, gets back involved in his community, does a Netflix documentary. That's just awesome. Let me say this to you before I go. You, and I mean this, and it's going to sound lofty, but but I believe it. You have Obama-ish tendencies. You are curious. Uh, you, you are. I happen to know that you are passionate about what can be done to help people. God always favors. He bends favor toward the man who seeks to use his life to help people. You're doing Thank that. Thank you so much. It's an that. honor to know you, man. God bless you. Thank My you show is better because you were here today. Listen, you've watched another fantastic uh, episode of the Moves That Matter podcast. And so, listen, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate all of your viewership. We know some of you are driving home and you've been watching and you've been uh, listening. Thank you so much for your participation. What I need from you to do, if you would, is hit share. Hit share. Help me continue to produce this process by getting out more information about what we're trying to do. It cannot be denied. This is an informational, theological, sociological uh, show that, that seeks to be well-rounded. You don't have to agree with everything we're saying, 
But what you cannot deny is we are saying something. God bless you. Thank you so much. Let me tell you one other thing. In life, you make constant moves. Since you are making those constant moves, why don't you choose to make your moves moves that matter? I've been your host, Dr. Clyde Poulter Jr., a visual voice to a new generation. God bless you, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye.